2: Hello, I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Toby.
2: And this is the Whispering Woods podcast. This episode is all about...
1: Stick peoples.
2: Yeah. Well, this is the second time we've recorded this bit, because I forgot to switch it to the microphone. And we were discussing how it should be stick people, even though they're referred to as stick men or stick man. Um, We're going for stick people, <laughs> because we are all inclusive here.
1: Yeah. Or we try Emma. to be. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, so this episode, I haven't done an introduction, because, um, they're sort of described in the individual stories, which I have four of, right? Now, if I can just ask, if you'd like to support the podcast, we haven't had any reviews for a while to read out, and we'd love some new nice reviews to read out. If you could take a few moments, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Also, um, we do have a Patreon account, so if you'd like to support us that way, you can visit patreon.com forward slash The Whispering Woods, where you can listen ad-free and we've also got another tier where there is a mini, extra mini episode every week. Right, moving on to the good stuff. As I said, I've got four individual stories today. Are you ready for the first one? Yes, I am. In the icy depths of a Russian winter around a year ago. I found myself strolling along the embankment near my home, just as the clock struck ten. The darkness had already claimed the day, leaving the world bathed in shadows. I found myself alone, with only the crunch of my boots against the snow and my own thoughts for company. The road I was on was a three-tiered labyrinth, a vast street at the top, which then descended into a narrower one, finally culminating in the embankment that twisted into a narrow trail amidst a blanket of thick snow. Try and picture this. You're meandering through a desolate industrial area, the streetlights few and far between, casting an eerie glow over the snow. On your left, a dense forest looms ominously while a rushing river escorts you on your right. As I navigated the path a figure emerged from the darkness. His unusual silhouette immediately caught my attention. He was on skis yet his movements were disjointed as if he was trying to walk without them. His struggle against the knee-deep snow was evident. Each step an arduous task. The only path through the snow led directly to him, offering no way of escape. His gaze was fixed on me, his smile a disconcerting blend of curiosity and malice. An unnerving chill ran down my spine. But, trapped in this scenario, I reassured myself. I could merely push him over and escape if it came to it. As I neared him, the unimaginable happened. He vanished without a trace. The trees were a good hundred metres away, and the snowy landscape offered no place for him to hide. Yet he was gone. As I turned my head slightly, trying to make sense of it all, a second figure appeared. It was a stick man, pitch black, around my height, maybe a bit taller, with a disproportionately large head and a neck that was non-existent. Its arms were spread out in an aggressive stance, as if readying to pounce. This figure was so strange, so unnaturally thin and linear, it looked like a 2D sketch come to life an impossibility in a 3D world. I spun around and bolted towards the second level of the road, my heart pounding in my chest. On reaching the second level, I dared to glance back. This entity was now partially obscured by a tree. Its form barely discernible. The moment our eyes met, it retreated further behind the tree, as though playing a game of hide-and-seek. At this point, my heart was pounding in my chest, my mind racing with thoughts of impending doom. The cars in the distance provided a momentary respite, a fleeting sense of normalcy in this surreal situation. As I reached the third level, I looked back once again. The stickman now stood where I'd been moments ago, right in the middle of the road. The entire scene seemed so surreal that I began to question my sanity. Intrigued yet terrified, I held my ground. My gaze locked onto this strange figure. The stick man stood still, its body swaying slightly, yet maintaining a solid dark figure against the night. My mind raced back to the video I'd seen, titled Beyond Creepy, where people who'd encountered similar entities described a feeling of seeing something forbidden. I could relate to that sentiment. My survival instincts were muddled, but the primal need to flee was ever present. Strangely, a peculiar sensation washed over me. A feeling of, finally, Finally, you found found me." me. It was akin to the relief you feel when your cousin, who's terrible at hide-and-seek, finally locates your hiding spot after an amazingly long wait. A part of me was tempted to approach this entity, overcome by an inexplicable urge to become friends. It was glaringly apparent that this entity was trailing me, and I lived uncomfortably close to this location. I was at a crossroads, should I wander aimlessly through the streets in the hopes of losing it or head straight home knowing it would then know where I lived choosing self-preservation over fear I decided to race towards safety without a backward glance but my ordeal was far from over that night I experienced sleep paralysis I remember lying in bed lulled by the gentle gurgle of my aquarium and the sound abruptly ceased a chilling thought crossed my mind someone is trying to catch my attention and there it was right beside my bed the same black figure I felt the icy grip it was a chilling moment akin to the finale of a life's movie reel my heart pounded in my chest as the figure now just three feet away, transformed into a mist-like fog. It started to fill my lungs through my nose and throat, a sensation similar to drowning on dry land. As the fog filled my very being, I regained consciousness, or perhaps I never fell asleep to begin with. But one thing was certain, I felt no different, no change in myself since that encounter. This entire ordeal was unlike anything I'd previously experienced. It's one thing to hear or read about the paranormal, quite another to actually experience it. The incident left me with a sense of curiosity and a twinge of fear. I was, and still am, somewhat disturbed by the experience. The questions are incessant. Will I one day find myself lost, approaching a stranger on skis, only to vanish the next moment? Did the dream hold any significance, or was it just a manifestation of fear? The face of the man is but a blur in my memory, making it fruitless to search among the missing. And possibly the most unnerving question of all is it inside me? Is it biding its time, waiting for something? I find myself uncertain and anxious about what to make of this whole experience. Right, what do you think of that now you've finished punching the cushion to death because it was looking at you funny? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, sleep paralysis is... is paralysis is... Um,
2: paralysis.
1: Paralysis, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine it would be quite freaky. I don't know, innit? You just can't move. I guess it'd be fine if, like, you weren't paralyzed because just, like, snap him on half or something. Yeah. If it's only Judy. A, if it's a stick, it? Ask him if you know SpongeBob before. <laughs> yeah.
2: Take me to your world. Yeah, the see, what, see
1: their universe, in
2: that. <laughs> so, Yeah, that would be quite cool. I'd, I'd just be terrified. I can really see it in my mind's eye, just a kind of black stick figure that you, you draw you know yeah that you just yeah and it would be because we're we're in a 3D world it would just be bizarre seeing this kind of character following you yeah you know creepy I, well, really creepy. I don't know
1: I'd probably like build a snowman and see if like, it comes to life as a cartoon and then like mm. protects me from him admit.
2: like Jack Frost yeah we love watching that <laughs> don't we yeah
1: <laughs> I always love that film innit? but it's all very sad it's very sad
2: very sad indeed but we're coming up to that season. Christmas. Yeah. Can't stand it.
1: What, you don't like Christmas? No.
2: I think it's just too much pressure. And I'm like, I love the idea of it, but when it comes to it, it's just really quite boring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't you think so? I don't know. I don't know. I like I like walking around and everything's got Christmas decorations on it, because it ain't like those usual boring Please, you know. Yeah, I
2: like that stuff.
1: And hot chocolates. I
2: love, I love all that stuff. Yeah. What I don't like is actual Christmas Day. Like, once so I've watched you open your presents, which is lovely, my favourite part. It's kind of like. Oh.
1: So, what do we do now?
2: Yeah, don't fall asleep, please.
1: Right,
2: does my head in? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, oh.
1: Just, play, play, just try using whatever we got for Christmas, innit? Yeah. Or just eat some chocolates and that. And I just... Watch bu- Christmas film and have a hot chocolate.
2: Busy myself in the kitchen.
1: And, um, yeah, <laughs> do some sewing or knitting or whatever.
2: Oh, yeah. That goes without saying. Yeah, it
1: always, <laughs> innit?
2: Right, are you ready for the second story? Yes, I oh, am. Yeah. Several months ago, in the early part of the year a cloud of unease began to loom over my home, tucked away in the serene countryside of southern Italy, nestled amidst the rolling hills and dense woodlands. The tranquility of my surroundings was abruptly shattered just after the new year, when bizarre events began to unfold under my roof. One frosty winter night, as I returned home, The swing of the front gate revealed an eerie sight. A slender figure, stark against the darkness, was darting across the apex of my house's roof. A structure towering a good ten metres above the ground. Its pallid hue was striking, yet given the abundance of feral cats in our locality, I dismissed it at first. But a week later... As dust descended around 6 pm, my usually docile dog, Chiro, erupted into a frenzy of barks directed towards our backyard. The event was so out of the ordinary that it sent a chill down my spine. As I hurried outside, Chiro was growling towards the roof. My gaze followed hers, but all I could make out were the gnarled branches of a nearby tree swaying in the wind. The barking persisted and when I checked again Chiro was whimpering hurriedly retreating to the safety of a doghouse. By mid-February Chiro's fear of the roof seemed to intensify. Her barks would slice through the silence of the night jolting me awake. It was during one of these episodes at the witching hour of 2am that I saw it again. The slender figure Its ghostly hue, magnified by the darkness, was once again darting across the roof. Terror gripped me as I bolted inside, slamming the door shut behind me, only to be greeted by the unsettling sound of scratching coming from the upper floor. A sleepless night followed, with Chiro's barks echoing ominously in the background. The final week of February brought with it an unprecedented snowfall a phenomenon not witnessed since 2010 the entire region was blanketed in an unending expanse of white it was then on the 21st of the month that I discovered footprints in the fresh snow they began at the metal fence encircling the property and led up to the right side of the house the footprints were small resembling those of a child, spaced closely together. That night, sleep eluded me once again, and even my brother confessed to hearing the unsettling scratching sounds from above. Then, on the 1st of March, as if following a tradition, my mother used soot from the chimney to draw a stick figure on the side of the fireplace. She revealed that she had been doing this annually... A practice passed down from her father. He had taught her a local dialect rhyme, which translated to Paint March, for March Paints You. And just like that, as if a spell had been broken, the strange occurrences stopped. The terrified barking, the spectral figure, the mysterious footprints and the ominous scratching sounds all vanished as suddenly... As they'd begun. The entire experience has left me bewildered. While I initially attributed it to local folklore, the inexplicable events and their abrupt cessation have left me questioning. Could there be a rational explanation, or was it something beyond my comprehension? I'm still searching for answers. Freaky, freaky folklore. Yeah. Sounds like that figure has got to be drawn each year to keep it at bay.
1: Yeah, I reckon it's like something to do with dark magic or something because they draw it on, in the fire mm-hmm. and it goes away.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: like, I don't know, I reckon that's just like only they can see it. And so, and they didn't know when they'd drawn it and then it goes away.
2: Yeah, you It's and just it's
1: like if parallel. It's just fantasy stuff.
2: Mm. It's weird, really weird. I think it's like, I don't know whether it's like, um, I don't know, it, but it just reminds me of something really tribal, something really tribal about it. And like, we have to do this every year to get to get rid of it, basically. Yeah, It's like acknowledging it, drawing it by the fire, which then, with so obviously, I imagine then the fire burning, which kind of
1: erase it, which would
2: get rid of it. It's just interesting. Really good story. I love that one.
1: Yeah, it's like the only way you can reach through it is the fire. Mm. And the heat. And why could they they, they should have picked some it like or it should have been something better, shall I say? Mm. Than a, a stick stick peoples. Because <laughs> I reckon they should have done a gingerbread man. You
2: know? Oh yeah, I bet you're there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a bit
2: scary. <laughs> it's scary as well. I keep hearing something on the roof, but I'm pretty sure it's a bird. And it's in the morning, thankfully, not at night. <laughs> right, are you ready for the third story?
1: Yes, I so am.
2: I commented this on a post I found earlier, questioning the existence of these strange black stick men. This is my only experience with them. If you have a story, please let me know I'm not crazy. I didn't think anything of it at the time, but this post jolted my memory. So to set the environment, I live in a pretty small and rural town, and most of the neighbourhoods are somewhat in the woods. My high school soccer team was having an end-of-the-season party at one of the players' houses in one of these wooded neighbourhoods. Towards the end of the night, someone mentioned a house at the end of the road, past a curve in the road, cut off by woods, that a doctor owned but was never there, leaving it somewhat abandoned. We all decided to go check this out and see if it really was abandoned. About eight or nine of us walked over through the pitch dark and the house had some small lights on, but no one was home. We go to the backyard, where there was a pool, and just start looking around. Behind the backyard is just woods, and a little bit of woods on the side as well. It's a big house, so we split up in pairs of two or three, with two groups walking around the house, and one trying to get inside and on the roof. They weren't that smart. They couldn't get inside or on the roof, so we sat in the backyard, just talked about random stuff, and joked around. Then I noticed a sound that was reminiscent of a clacking sound on the roof. It started sounding like someone was walking back and forth on the roof, and I looked up, thinking someone made it up. I see a silhouette of what I thought was one of the kids' faces, but it was pitch black with bright white eyes. I looked around to see who was missing, but everyone was there. I looked back on the roof, and the sound and the thing was gone. I ignored it, thinking it was just a squirrel or something, and continued the conversation. Later, a friend of mine and I decided to go talk on one of the sides of the house, and as soon as we crossed the corner of the house, we thought we heard a deer walking through the woods. We walked closer to get a better look, and we suddenly hear leaves crunching all around us, We start getting a little spooked and turn around to walk back. When we get closer to the house, we hear leaves crunching right behind us and turn around to see a black stick figure, standing not ten feet away, motionless between the swaying trees, staring at us with those same white eyes I saw on the roof earlier. We both lose our heads and tell everyone we're going back to the other kid's house. The entire time we're walking off the property and down the driveway, we feel like somebody's following us and still hear leaves crunching, like somebody was right behind us walking. But as soon as we stepped foot off the driveway onto the main road, we felt something like an instant relief and didn't hear any leaves crunching behind us. We didn't turn around one time the entire walk back until we stepped foot into the one kid's yard. Ever since then, I occasionally drive by that house, trying to see what I saw that night, and I've only seen a pair of white eyes in the window of the house one time. That doctor has never returned, and I think I know why. Edit. I'm seeing a lot of people talk about how the air around it seemed distorted. But it was pretty dark at night, with no lights around. And we weren't really trying to stay too long to examine the whole
1: thing. Yeah, so stick people like it on the roofs then, I hear. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Ima- yeah. Imagine you got a thatch roof. Do you know what a thatch roof is? Yeah, like hay and that. Yeah.
2: You could have loads of them out there hiding.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd hate to have a thatch roof. There'd probably be bare spiders and that. Oh, there'd know? be
2: all sorts in it, yeah. And yeah, but no. You'd have to have you have to have them done, um, redone every now and again as well. Cost a fortune. Yeah. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Like I love the I love the workmanship with it. It's amazing that we used to have have that on houses. Yeah,
1: cause it's like yeah, when we used to have it, like if you walk around and every house would be like that roof, it would all be free then. But if you were to get it now, wouldn't it? Mm. It's just weird because it's going to take a lot of money to put it up there. Well, it would be. Because it's, a... it's not normal now. Mm. Like, normal then was wooden houses and a thatch roofs. Mm. And now it's normal for bricks and that.
2: Bricks and mortar, yeah. And it's just like, it's it's a craft, isn't it, really, to be able to put those roofs together. We've gone completely off the subject, but it, it's yeah. kind of still there, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's the back roof. <laughs> <laughs> right, are you ready for the fourth and final story? Yes, I am. Period. April 2019, noon. Atmospheric conditions. A comfortable, warmth embraced the air under a crystal clear sky. Setting. A secluded walled garden, nestled within a cluster of vintage cottages, presumably dating back to the 1940s, located in southeast England, approximately an hour's journey from the bustling city of London. At the time, I was engaged in property maintenance while also indulging my passion for garden design, a service I offered to close friends and family, a pursuit I now commit to full-time. An acquaintance had generously offered to compensate me in kind for redesigning the garden of a property they'd recently refurbished. I decided to make this task into a brief, refreshing retreat background of the experience stroke location a hidden garden within a larger enclosed garden the space was wildly overgrown with wisteria vines and ivy clambering over every wall and mature shrubs encroaching on the pathways and gravel the entire property was enveloped in the shadowy embrace of towering mature trees as I wielded a hoe to push back the invasive shrubs and ivy My intent was to redefine the paths that converged on a stunning view at the garden's rear. This vista opened up onto sprawling fields and a forested hill. On my return journey, I discovered what I'd previously missed, a hidden garden encased behind a hefty wooden door. I only noticed it due to the buzzing sounds, which I initially attributed to bees or wasps. The door required a significant push, but eventually yielded. I had to stoop to enter. As I crossed the threshold, an odour akin to putrefying mushrooms assailed my senses, while a cloud of brick dust and dried vegetation rained down on me. This secluded garden measured approximately 12 foot by 20 foot, enclosed by red brick walls, with a yew or box hedge at the far end. My eyes were immediately drawn to a collection of pots of varying sizes directly in front of me, filled with dead shrubs and an assortment of weeds and ivy. I'd expected to find a beehive, so my gaze darted left and right, and that's when I spotted it. An ancient beech tree towering over a stone bench, and upon this bench, laid what appeared to be a substantial cluster of ivy, saplings or canes, assembled in an upright massive bundle. In that moment, I realised the creatures nestling on this bundle were not bees. Their identity remained unknown to me, yet their resemblance was closer to beetles. As I focused my attention, the image before me began to take on an uncanny form, humanoid it had appendages that suggested legs, arms, and something akin to a head, albeit faceless. Its proportions were not of human standards, but if I were to estimate its height, it might have been around six feet. In a mere span of five to ten seconds, the figure, which I'd come to perceive as a stick man, began to animate. It rose in a manner reminiscent of a human, and in an incredibly two to three seconds, it rushed away from me towards the hedge. Words fail to adequately express the sheer terror that gripped me in that instant of realisation. My instincts kicked in, blocking out most of my other sensory input. I can only recall the sensation of my heart pounding violently against my chest and the nauseating urge to vomit. Frantically reaching behind me, I felt for the doorway. As soon as my fingers brushed against the rough brickwork I swiftly exited into the main garden and sprinted back to the safety of the house. It took me a good 20 minutes to regain my composure. During this time I composed several unsent text messages about the incident while gazing out at the garden from the shelter of the conservatory. I tried to rationalise the terrifying incident to calm my racing heart. When I finally mustered the courage to return to the garden, I had convinced myself that what I'd seen was a figment of my imagination. At the time, I vaguely recall reasoning it as a deer or some animal that made a den there. Yet deep down, I knew that wasn't the truth. A fact confirmed upon inspecting the garden. The hedge at the back was solid, with no trace of a hole despite my efforts with the hoe the humanoid mass had disappeared entirely, leaving no trace of vines or twigs. The insect swarm that had enveloped the figure had scattered. Up until recently, I'd managed to convince myself that it was nothing more than an optical illusion. Perhaps the way the light fell on the tree, or maybe a deer that somehow squeezed through the hedge. But then, by chance, I stumbled upon the field of cryptozoology this sudden interest began to chip away at the facade I had so carefully constructed. As I delved deeper into studies of unknown creatures and unexplained phenomena, the rational explanations I had clung to started to become less convincing. Writing this all down now, I find myself questioning once again. Despite the time that's passed and the attempts to make sense of it all, I'm still unsure of what I saw that day. As for witnesses, there were none. It was a solitary encounter, leaving me alone with the haunting memory and the lingering questions. Selling
0: a little or a lot? Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: That's a bit of a different one because it's actually made of sticks, isn't it?
2: Mm. That's the one you got to watch for in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, because you just wouldn't
1: see it. Yeah, it could literally just be lead on the floor, isn't it? And you wouldn't be able to know. You could be breaking
2: its legs if you walk Yeah. With every step. Or sharp you, take. Just,
1: you could just be sharpening it to make a spear or something. And you're just skinning them alive.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was an evil little chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have
1: to watch you. <laughs> yeah. My skin sticks alive, innit? <laughs>
2: <laughs> we do. you had a little go at, you, you were doing your um whittling, weren't you? Yeah. Until you cut yourself.
1: Um yeah. That's because I tried carving my my initials into it. Mm. But I already finished like the slingshot by then in it.
2: You did. It's a good slingshot. Yeah, it mm. actually is,
1: isn't it it's sick, isn't it?
2: It is. <laughs> you have to get it back out and do some do something else. <laughs> Christmas is <has> coming. <laughs> Whittle yourself something for Willow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I uh hope you look forward to Christmas and that.
2: Yeah, we hope this has put you in a bit of a festive mood. Um, Also, we know it's Thanksgiving for a lot of our listeners next week. So, happy Thanksgiving to those who celebrate it. We will actually catch you on Thursday again with some more stick people stories. Yeah. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate
0: your travel style with Quince.